You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you this morning. If you're watching online, we miss you and we want you here, <laughs> but we're so glad that you're joining us and make sure you share this live stream. Click that little share button. It makes such a big difference for us. Thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here. We are in part number three today in a series that we've entitled Seek, and Seek is all about recalibrating our hearts and our minds to the things of God. And last week, if you were not with us, would you do me a huge favor? Would you go on YouTube and watch the message at least, or go uh, download our podcast on your Apple or your other device and learn about fasting? You can download our digital fasting guide for free at radiantbc.com. And my prayer and my hope is that all of us would participate in a fast some way, some form, some type during this season, during the next couple of weeks. I'm doing a 16-hour fast every single day, and I know many of our staff here are also participating in different types of fast. Now, let me review super quickly for you. There are three spiritual benefits or blessings, we might call them, of participating in a fast. When we refrain from food, when we remove distractions... The first benefit is this. It's a renewed hunger for the things of God. Renewed hunger for the things of God. Do you find your, your hunger, is your hunger for God waning right now? I might recommend going on a fast. One day, two days, one meal, five meals, whatever it might be for you. And the benefit can be a renewed hunger for the things of God. The second benefit is clarity in Prayer, clarity in prayer. So often when we fast because we're removing distractions, um, there's greater focus on God and we hear from him even more powerfully. And so it brings focus, clarity in our prayer. I hear from people so often that they're given guidance, that they know the next step they should take in that relationship, in that business venture, in, in, in that family uh, deal or affair, whatever it might be. They find out, they receive clarity in their prayer. And then number three is freedom from strongholds. What is a stronghold? Remember, a stronghold is anything that takes you captive from the plans and the purposes of God in your life, okay? Do you have a propensity to, to steal, to lie, for lust, whatever it might be, okay? There's a million vices out there. And so listen, God can break a stronghold in your life through the power of praying and fasting. And I want to remind you of this, that fasting is not us trying to get God's attention, okay? We already have it in Jesus, okay? We have his attention in Jesus. Rather, it's us giving God all of our attention to him. Amen, church? Right? We're giving all our attention to him. Something amazing happens when we remove distraction, we remove food. God just shows up in a powerful way. It makes us more sensitive to the spiritual realm, and to hearing his voice. And when we read his word, things begin to pop out. Well, this morning, we're going to be back in Luke's gospel, the, the, the gospel of Luke. Last week, 
We were in Luke chapter 4. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8, and this is called the parable of the persistent widow. Now, let me just say this for a few moments. I want you to hang with me today, okay? Here's why. we got a lot of scripture today. It's going to take me a little while to land the plane, if you know what I mean. But I'm going to get there, all right? I've been there before, all right? Uh, I'm the pilot. I, re- I accept responsibility, and we're going on a journey. But it's going to take me a little while to land the plane, so I need you to hang with me, okay? we we got a lot of scripture today, but when we, when we make that landing, you're going, to be, you're going to be grateful for it, okay? Amen? All right, so Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, this is what Luke tells us here today. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. In other words, it's like a story, right? A parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So you see that's the context here just a bit. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, he has no reverence for God, or care what people think, yet because this widow, she keeps coming, she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And then now he's going to bring it back home to His disciples, he says this, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones or his elect, if you have an ESV Bible, who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then the last question is really important. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Church, I want you to pay attention to that question because that is literally the foundation of everything that we're going to talk about today. When the Son of Man returns, he's coming back in case you didn't know that. If you don't believe it, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not because it's going to happen. He will return. And the question is, will he find us faithful? He, will he find faith on earth? The earth. Let's take a few moments, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the rest of our message. Lord, thank you so much for today, and we thank you for the sun, even though it is pretty cold out there, Lord. Um, thank you for the Spirit of God that is illuminating our hearts, God. I pray that you would draw us close to you, Lord. And if there's anyone who's far from you, if there's anyone in here just going through the motions uh, to appease someone else, God, I pray that you draw them close to you, that they would actually have an encounter with you, not just go to a church service, Lord. We want to hear your voice, and we want to know you, as David says in Psalm 63. So, God, would you unlock deaf ears? Would you open blind eyes? And would you soften hardened hearts? Because hearts get hardened because life is hard. That's why. And so some of our hearts have been hardened today. Would you soften them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior? We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, David Goggins has earned the title, The World's Toughest Man. 
Fellas, wouldn't you like to earn that title yourself, right? The world's toughest man. It's pretty impressive. David Goggins is the only man who has ever completed Navy SEALs training, Army Rangers training, and Air Force Air Tactical Controller training, which is a mouthful, by the way. Here's what's even more impressive. It took David Goggins three times to complete Navy SEALs training before he actually went through the whole thing. Three times. Now, if you, if you don't understand the rigor of Navy SEALs, just do a Google search or something. It's insanity. Literally, they push these men to the point of death. He went through it three times. David Goggins, here's some stats. If you don't think he's the toughest man alive, let me give you some things to ooh and ah about. David Goggins has run 100 miles in 19 hours. On a different occasion, he ran 135 miles in just under 26 hours. David Goggins did 4,000 pull-ups in a matter of 24 hours. I think I did four last year total, maybe. <laughs> By the way, the 4,000 pull-ups is a Guinness World Record. In his book, You Can't Hurt Me, I read this last year, Actually, I listened to it on Audible. David Goggins writes this. He says, I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. Some of you are like, come on, come on. I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. If you do read this book or listen to it, don't listen to it with kids around. Let's just say he uses colorful language a lot, okay? Now, this mindset, because the whole book is about the power of the mind and the ability for us to accomplish truly whatever we want to do because it's all in our head. It's all in our mind. This, this mindset has helped Goggins become arguably, listen, the best endurance athlete of all time. If there was ever a person to understand physical endurance, okay, it's this man, David Goggins. Clearly, he understands what it means to endure. But let me flip the script for you for just a moment. What about spiritual endurance? Is there such a thing? And if there is, what do we have to do to acquire it? What do we have to do to exercise that muscle? Because I think we understand somewhat what it means to acquire physical endurance. You need to run a little bit longer. Okay, clearly 100 miles. If you're not running that much, you got to get there, okay? But what about physical or, or spiritual, sorry, spiritual endurance? Well, according to Jesus, the Son of God, he says there is such a thing as spiritual endurance. So I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment. This is Matthew chapter 24 this is known as the Olivet Discourse because he's on the Mount of Olives, okay, which is, you can see Jerusalem from there. It's a beautiful sight. We stood on the Mount of Olives, my wife and I. Incredible sight. And in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the end times, okay? But I want you to notice what it says, or what he says rather, here in Matthew 24. Verses 12 and 13, Jesus says, And because lawlessness or wickedness will be increased, 
How many of you know that the world is not becoming a better place? Anybody? If you don't notice that, just turn on the news. Rioting, violence, murder, wars, famine, missiles, everything under the sun. Jesus, this is what Jesus has said, so we should not be surprised. And because lawlessness or wickedness will be increased, now he's talking about believers, the love of many will grow cold because violence will increase in the world and wickedness, many believers, their their love for God, it will be cold. It will grow cold. Okay? Notice what Jesus says next. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. Okay? The one who endures to the end will be saved. I want to bring you back now to Luke 18. Remember, it's going to take me a while to land the plane. It'll be worth it. I think it would. Anyways. Luke 18, in the very last verse, Jesus is actually saying a similar statement. Notice the question. It says this. When the Son of Man comes... Will he, find, or will he find faith on the earth? In other words, the question actually is, when the Son of Man returns, will he find his people enduring? All right? Will he find his people enduring? Now, in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8, Jesus is clearly talking about his return. When, when he comes back a second time, Again, he is coming back. We know this. And again, at any moment, this could happen. Like the skies could crack open. Literally, Jesus would just, you know, just tear the roof off this place. And we'd all be on our hands and knees, right? Worshiping. That could happen. Any moment. Any time. We know that. But if we want to understand Luke chapter 18, we have to go backwards just a little bit. We have to go to Luke 17. And the reason why we're going to go back to Luke 17 is because that is where the conversation begins with the Pharisees on when he will return, okay? So hang with me, church. Luke 17, 20 through 32, we're going to put pieces together. This is what Bible study is all about, putting pieces together. Context, big pictures of Scripture. Luke 17, 20 through 32, here's what it says. Once on one Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. I'll explain that. Don't worry. Then he said to the disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. I wonder why we will long to see. I think that's because of the increase of wickedness on the earth. The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. So now he's connecting his return to the days of Noah. This is interesting. 
People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting and building. But the, the day, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. There's a lot there, isn't there? So let's unpack this for just a few more moments here. Let me give you the scene. Let me set the context. So here we see... Jesus having a conversation with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are asking when the Messiah will return. Uh, now, from a Jewish vantage point, here's what they're asking. They're saying, Jesus, when will Messiah return? And when will he set up or establish the throne of David? Because remember, David's throne in the Old Testament, God promised to establish his throne forever. That was the promise God made to David. So when will the throne of David be established? And when will you usher in peace and righteousness here on the earth? Now, Jesus' response to the Pharisees is essentially baffling for those who don't even think that he's the Messiah. Jesus actually tells them or essentially tells them that, listen, if don't just look for my return, don't just look for the Son of Man in the great, spectacular, miraculous things, Okay. Because if you're doing that only, you're going to miss it because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And what he means there is this, is that wherever Jesus or whenever people pledge allegiance to Jesus, there Jesus establishes his rule and reign. The kingdom of God is in our midst right now. So Jesus is saying, hey, hey, don't just be concerned about like the big signs in the sky because if you're just doing that, you're going to miss it. But, okay, but in 20 through 22 through 24, Jesus warns against the opposite mistake, okay? Jesus warns against thinking that the final appearance of the Son of Man will be anything but catastrophic. In other words, Jesus is saying this, hey, listen, don't be mistaken. The, the coming of the Son of Man will not be quiet and will not be hidden. Everyone will know. You're going to know. There's not going to be like, hey, I wonder what that is. Hey, should we call Aunt, Aunt Julie and let her know? You're not going to have to do that. She'll be able to see her herself. Truly. It's going to be like a flash of lightning that rips through the sky, seen by the whole globe. That's what Jesus says. Luke 17. It will be very, very obvious. And then Jesus does this. He makes... Two comparisons to what his return will be like, okay? There's two events. Number one event. The first comparison is this. Jesus compares the coming of the Son of Man to the flood in Noah's day. Hold on to that for just a second. Number two, Jesus compares the coming of the Son of Man to the destruction of Sodom by fire or sulfur falling from the sky. And then, finally, in verse number 32... Jesus gives a warning to all of us, and he says this, don't be like Lot's wife. If you know the story, Genesis 19, Sodom is being destroyed. 
Now, the angels of the Lord, they come and they, uh, they warn Lot. And so they're going to flee from the destruction. But what does Lot's wife do? She turns around. Yeah. She turns. She goes and she looks at what she's leaving behind. And then she turns into a pillar of salt. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't be like Lot's wife. When the crisis comes, don't go running back into the world. Don't long for the things of this world rather than the kingdom of God. It's a warning for all of us. Don't be like Lot's wife. So why are these examples of the flood in Noah's day and the destruction of Sodom so important to us? We need to ask that question. Well, I'll give you the reason. Because Jesus says that the days before he comes will be like the days before these two catastrophes. Listen, namely, full of busy ordinary life. Let me prove it. Go back to 27 and 28. It says this. It'll be on the screen. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day of Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Jesus is saying this. He's saying that most of the world will be engaged in normal activity as usual when he returns, okay? Now, this should strike us as very interesting. Why? (laughs) Well, clearly there was wickedness on the earth in those days, okay? He doesn't mention that, though, does he? Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? He doesn't mention that. Clearly, listen, there was wickedness on the earth. Genesis tells us that every inclination of a man's thoughts or a man's hearts were wicked, were evil. We know there was violence like never before. There was sexual perversion like never before. But I think it's interesting to know that Jesus doesn't mention that. Strange, isn't it? Why would he not mention that? Rather, what he focuses on is the fact that life was going on just as usual. Here's what I mean. People were eating and drinking. People were hosting parties and going to parties. People were working nine to five jobs or nine to eight jobs, whatever you do, right? People were starting businesses. People were growing their businesses. People were working overtime. People were selling and trading on the stock market. People were buying land and homes. People were getting married, right? Raising families. Ordinary activities, busy things of life. I think it's important to notice that judgment doesn't come upon Sodom merely because of its sexual perversion. And we know this in the words of Paul in Romans chapter 1, man or men traded unnatural or natural relationships with women for unnatural ones. It's the words of Paul in Romans 1. But judgment didn't fall upon Sodom merely because of that, but also because of the good, ordinary activities of life that were godless. Let me say it this way. The good things in life can make us just as insensitive to the things of God as habitual sin can. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
Sobering message, right? Sobering message. Why? Because habitual sin is bad. We know that. Sexual immorality is bad. We know that. Violence, murder is bad. Theft, right, is bad. All of those things, lying and deceit, all bad. Those are all sins, by the way, and they all lead to death, just in case you weren't clear on that. <laughs> that's, that's what the Bible says, okay? All sin leads to death, okay? However, there's more that we should be aware of, right? The good and everyday things of life can also dull our hearts to the things of God if we're not careful. This is a sobering message, okay? So here's what I want you to see. There are three dangers for disciples as they wait for the return of Jesus. Three dangers, okay? Three dangers. Number one is the most obvious one, sinful temptations. We all know that. Like that leads to death. You shouldn't be doing those things. You shouldn't be looking at on your screen, right? You shouldn't be subscribing to that. You shouldn't be talking to her after midnight. You get the picture, right? Sinful, sinful temptations. We, we all have them. You have them. I have them, right? Number two, persecution from the world, right? Jesus says if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. The world has been experiencing persecution for quite some time, but in America, it's going to look different. I believe it's going to be more tyrannical, I think. More empire, bigger government, oppression. Don't call me a conspiracy theorist because, listen, just read Revelation. Oppression of the people of God comes through empire, Babylonian, Persian, Roman. I think, that the, I think in America we'll experience that type of persecution more than what we see in India or China or other places. It'll be a bigger form of oppression from government or empire. Number three, finally, everyday home life and busyness void of God that can dull our, create, our sensitivity to the things of God and his kingdom, okay? And three dangers, three dangers that we have to be aware of. Number one, sinful temptations. Number two, um, persecution. Number three, the things of ordinary life that dull our sensitivities, right? Those things, I'm too busy for church, right? I, I, I can't join your small group because I'm too busy. I'm working this week, so I can't read my Bible, I'm exhausted, I'm so busy, I just don't have time for God, I'm just, I'm trying, my, my margin of profit needs to increase in 2022, so just let me hustle, and then I'll, I'll get to Jesus, but I'm so busy right now, and we're down, because five people have COVID, and whatever it is, and, and I gotta make up for it, and I'm just trying to work overtime, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to grow this year, and I'm just so busy. And Jesus says, you need to be warned, because that's like every American, right? So the question is, the question should be for all of us today, is how can we endure? I want you to ask that question. How can we endure? How can we be found faithful and full of love when Jesus returns? How can we avoid being like Lot's wife? When he comes back, how can we avoid being like those left for judgment? Because we don't want to be left for God's judgment, all right? How can we avoid being left for judgment when Jesus returns? And Jesus' answer here is this. I'm going to pull back. We're going to go back to Luke 18. Jesus' answer is this. If you want to endure, get ready. It's this. Pray. Pray. And pray some more. And don't grow weary of praying. This is the answer. This is the answer Jesus gives. 
Let me pull it all together for you now, okay? Here's the idea. The idea is this, that if you cry out day and night, if you always pray and don't lose heart, you will not be like Lot's wife. You will be found faithful when Jesus returns. And when the heavens crack open, right, and the Son of Man returns, you will be found faithful. The idea is this. If you pray, 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 and not give up and not lose heart, you will not give into sinful temptations in the last days. If you pray and don't lose heart, you won't give in to sinful temptations. Okay? If you pray, okay, if you pray always and don't lose heart, you will not be lulled to sleep by all the normal everyday activities and busyness of life. If you pray and not give up and don't lose heart. Listen, the message is crystal clear for all of us, right? Don't stop praying. Don't be fickle. Always pray and don't lose heart. If you want to endure to the very end, always pray and don't lose heart. If you want to resist sinful temptations, always pray and don't lose heart. Always pray and don't lose heart. Listen, here's the, here's the idea. As we draw near to the return of Christ, and it's drawing closer every single day, we should know that. That's pretty obvious, right? Can I just tell you that the pressures of the world will grow stronger, stronger, and we should know this. And the only way that we'll be able to endure, listen, is if we become a praying people. If we become a praying people. So Jesus is asking this at the end of the parable. When the Son of Man, or will the Son of Man find his disciples praying, or will they have lost heart? That's that's the opposite of one another. Can can, Can you see that? Will you be praying or will you have lost heart? Will you be praying or will you have given up because life was just too hard? Will you be praying or will you be falling asleep, okay? Will you be praying or will you have cheated on your wife? Will you be praying or have said, I'm just so busy, I can't come to church and read my Bible? Will you be praying or will you, I need to get more profit margin this year, Marco. There's only two choices. Will you be praying or will you give up and lose heart? That's it, right there. That's it, right there, right? And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, like, what's the big deal about praying? Like, Margo, the Bible says that I'm saved by faith and not prayer. Well, hallelujah. Thank you. You know a verse in the Bible. That's fantastic. Good for you. You're reading. About time. I've read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 myself, and you're right. We're not saved by prayer. We are saved by faith in Christ alone. But let me say it like this, that prayer is the exercise of our faith. Right? Prayer is the exercise of our faith. I want to point this out to you because I just discovered it this week. Listen, that prayer and faith stand and fall together. Prayer and faith stand and fall together. Listen closely to me, church, okay? Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. If we're not praying, we're not exercising any faith. Okay? 
one of the reasons why we may not pray as we should, one of the reasons you might not be praying like you should be, listen, is maybe you really don't believe it does anything. Maybe the reason that you don't pray, listen, is because because you really don't believe God is working on your behalf. Because if you did, you would pray. So let me say it like this. It's going to sting just a bit, but here it comes. Prayerlessness is faithlessness. Prayer is the exercise of your faith. Asking God to intervene. Adam said, talked about miracles. God intervening on our behalf in our life. All right, that's, that's what prayer is. Asking God for help is the simplest definition of prayer. Asking God for help. Maybe you don't know what to say, so say, God help. <laughs> God help. That's all I got for you, but God help. It's a start, it's the beginning. I love this quote from uh, John Piper on prayer. He says this, that faith is the furnace of our lives, right? Its fuel is the grace of God, and the divinely appointed shovel for feeding the burner is prayer. That's amazing, right? Here's, let, let, me, let me phrase it like this. Do you want to grow in your, your faith? Who wants to grow in their faith this year? Anybody? Anybody? All right, cool, cool, cool. I got a few people of you. Some of you are still sleeping. Worried about you, but I'll pray for you because that's the message, right? If you want to grow in your faith this year, you know what the answer is? Prayer. It's prayer. God, increase my faith this year. There it is. I just taught you how to pray a prayer right there. Simple, isn't it? It's crazy how simple it is. No, seriously. So simple. You don't even need a master's degree. And I got mine. I don't even know why I got it, but I got mine. I'm thinking about my doctorate, and Carrie's like, what are, you, what are you going to do that for? I'm like, yeah, good, good point. Do you, want your, do you want to feed your faith? Pray. Has busyness overtaken your life? Pray. Okay? Pray. Are you pulled constantly by the world? Pray. Are you overwhelmed with anxiety and with fear? What's going to happen next? I can't go outside. I just, ah, right? And I'm not trying to make fun of you. I promise I'm not. But if you're overwhelmed with anxiety, because I know some people are, seriously. Pray. I know that sounds so cliche, but, but that's not, Marco. But this is what the Bible says. And see a counselor. I'm all for that, okay? I'm, I'm good with that. But pray. Pray. Do you want to develop spiritual endurance? The answer. Pray. Pray, right? And let me just say this as I get ready to close the message here in just a minute. Let me just say this. I want to be clear. This message today is not a message of condemnation if you haven't prayed in a long time. Okay? So don't leave saying, I feel so beat up, and oh, I just don't know how to pray, and nobody ever taught me, and mom and dad weren't Christians, and I grew up. And... No, no, no. Stop. Just stop. Okay? Stop. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of encouragement. You have a choice now. Right? You are empowered. You are an empowered people to make a choice. Hallelujah, you are not, listen, just vic- victims. You can make a decision today to pray. So this is a message of encouragement for you today. Listen, I'm encouraging you to pray, church, 
I'm encouraging you to pray. Because those who pray and don't lose heart, listen, will endure to the end. And I want every one of you to see the fullness of God when the heavens crack open and Jesus returns. Right? I want every one of you to see that together. I want you to pray because I want you to be able to stand persecution in the last days and not cower and not be afraid, but to be bold in your faith. And so I want you to pray so when the pressure comes and it increases, and we know it will, it's going to happen eventually, okay? When the crisis comes, you won't be like Lot's wife. You won't run back into the world. You'll stand firm. You'll stand firm. You will not be seduced into sinful, sexual, temptation, whatever it might be. I want you to pray because I simply don't want you to go to church. I want you to engage in church. I want you to be red hot for Jesus. I don't want you to just watch online. I love you guys, by the way, but I don't want you to just watch online. I want you to be active participants in the house of God. That's what I want for all of you. I want you to pray. Listen, I'm encouraging you to pray because I want Jesus to find a radiant church full of faith when he returns. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this, when he returns, will he find anyone praying? That's what he's saying. It's crazy. Will, and, and guess what? And, and on that day, there will be people praying, and they have not seen the answers to their prayers yet. And they're still praying. And the heavens will crack open, and our faith will be made sight. And there the answer will be right in front of us. That is, Jesus says, that is a man. That is a woman full of faith. Man, that's what I want for you for me and for all of us together. I want us to be found full of faith when the Son of Man comes and when he returns. I want you to endure persecution. I want you to endure government tyranny. I want you to endure whatever comes our way, sickness and disease and COVID-19 and COVID-20. And I know it's a terrible world. I understand it's an evil world. I know everything is going to hell in a handbasket and I want you to be able to endure it. And I'm going to, I'm with you. I have to endure it myself. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. We can be in this together. So on that day, Jesus says, I found you full of faith. Amen, church? Full of faith. Always pray. Don't lose heart. Never give up. Can I pray for my business? It's okay. You can pray for your business. It's okay. Can I pray for my kids? Yeah, you better pray for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they're little, if they're grown up, all the more, right? All the more. Can I pray for my spouse? You should pray for your spouse, yeah. Because if you're not praying for them, who else is praying for them? Seriously, right? Right? I don't know if anyone else is praying for Carrie. Most likely not, but I, so I better pray for her. She better pray for me, right? Because maybe only a couple of you are praying for me. I mean, Troy, that's about it. But anybody else, I don't know. But, so. <laughs> right? Always pray. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say, I surrender. I'm just going to go back to the world. I give up. This is too hard for me. I'm just going to go back to sleeping with my boyfriend in that abusive relationship. No, 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 no. That's craziness. That's ludicrous. No. Always pray. Don't lose heart. Don't be fickle. Don't give up. 
Oh, my marriage is crappy right now, Marco. Totally crapola, right? Don't give up. Continue to pray. Seek counseling. Pray. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Pray. Pray. And pray. This is Jesus' message. If we want to endure, pray. So let's do that together right now. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for this message, God. We thank you for how you work on our behalf in prayer, Lord. Lord, help us to see. Lord, I pray that the dots that were connected today, Lord, man, I just pray that they ring true in, in, in the people's hearts. Lord, and this is not a message of condemnation. I hope, that, I hope that these beautiful people hear that. This is a message of encouragement. No matter where they're at, they can make a choice today to pray, to pray for their husbands, to pray for their wives, to pray for their kids, to pray for their businesses. That's fine. To pray for our country, to pray for our city, Lord, uh, to pray that more people would see you and your, your beauty, Lord, and that more eyes would be open to Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that our people would become a praying church, Lord, that we might be found faithful, God, when you return. Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? Will the Son of Man find his people enduring through prayer? <laughs> That's what he's saying. So, God, would you, uh, would you just fill our hearts with um, a passion, God, and a fire to begin praying? Whether it's one minute a day or three hours, Lord, I pray that every person in here just takes one step forward. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, according to Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So, God, thank you that there's no condemnation, that we can walk with you, Lord, forward. Your arms are open wide, and, God, we're coming to seek your face, God, to know who you are and to be a church that prays, Lord. May your kingdom come here in Bay City as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.